Chasing Majors is proudly brought to you by Bluebet, a true blue Aussie betting company. So Steve, welcome to episode 12 of Chasing Majors, and I'm getting a bit sad here because it's, it's nearing the end of our podcast series. This is 12 of 13 episodes, uh, but this particular episode will focus on, this is a hot one, this is the 2007 PGA Championship at Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And to kick off the episode, there's actually a lot of juicy stuff to talk about before we get to the PGA, because 2007 was a very eventful year on the PGA Tour, as you would have remembered. And I think at this point in golf and, and, and sporting circles for that matter, um, people were looking for sort of any evidence to, to claim that Tiger was maybe, lo- maybe losing it or his reign was over or whatever it might have been. But even though he won his first PGA Tour start of the year at Torrey Pines in San Diego, but the critics were sort of circling the wagon a little bit and, and they got a little bit of ammunition from a number of things. And we'll get into that. But first of all, uh, the loss to my fellow countryman, Nico Hearn, the 2007 WGC match play. Uh, Tiger missed a four-footer that would have won the match and then he went on to lose. Did that one, that particular one, sting? Yeah, look, I mean, Tiger, he loves head-to-head match play competition, so he loved that tournament. I mean, you know, that's the ultimate competition when you're playing head-to-head uh, against a fellow player. But um, as the years progressed, a lot of these guys, Nico Hearn, another one, and in the same year, Mike Weir at the President's Cup, guys that um, they started to relish the challenge of playing Tiger one-on-one and they weren't as intimidated as what they might have been a few years back. So, you know, if, if every guy that had the opportunity in these match play events, um, you know, or, or the Ryder Cup, President's Cup, what it might be, they, they just, they, they roused that opportunity in, in the singles environment. So, you know, you know, every player that's in the field in one of those events, they, they, they qualify, you know, they're, they're good players. So every player is a threat and it's over 18 holes. And as you know, over 72 holes, if you were playing match play over 72 holes against a guy like Tiger, um, I'd be surprised if too many people would beat him. But over 18 holes, as you know, anything can happen and the, the fortunes can favour one player uh, in a short space of time over 18 holes. And, and Nick was up for it that day. It was a great match. Um, what was it about Tiger that, that people were sort of maybe less intimidated? You just mentioned what had they sort of maybe worked out a way to get themselves up for the fight or they were just sick of getting beaten down by a tiger? How, what do you put your finger on? Well, I think, you know, collectively so many guys over the, over the, you know, from 2000 to the 2005 played with tiger and, and, and sort of came to terms of what it was like to actually play with him when he's playing well. Not that he's a bad guy to play with, obviously, but everything else that goes along with it is just yeah. a bit different. If you're in Tiger Woods' group, or the group behind or the group in front is just completely different. And a lot of players, you know, sort of realize, okay, they just got their mind around, okay, well, I'm, going, I'm playing with Tiger today. There's going to be a lot of noise. There's going to be a lot of extra people. There's going to be a lot of distractions. I'm going to have to get off my ball a few times. I'm going to be ready to hit. And sometimes I'm going to have to back away. There's going to be all this kind of thing. There's going to be people yelling and cheering. There's going to be people, you know, that making noises I've probably not heard for a while on the golf course. So I think as the time came along and people – not only playing with Tiger, but they would watch it on TV and they'd see what was going on. I think they, you know, sort of formed a very good um, paralysis of what it was all like to play with Tiger. And, and, and I think that helped them handle it as the years went by. I think, you know, people weren't so intimidated, just not because of Tiger's play, but just because playing with them was difficult. And I think they all realised, and, you know, I'm sure it's things that guys spoke about, you know, okay, I'm playing with Tiger tomorrow. How am I going to handle it? You know, what are we going to do? Just make sure we do this and do this. Just, you know, so I think that is all part of it. Yeah. Well, it took them about 10 years to work that out. And that's not an insult to the players on the PGA Tour, but that's 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 a credit to Tiger and the, the force that he was, that it took about 10 years for his peers to get 
desensitize and accustomed to what it's like to play with them. So that that's a really good point you make there. So if we move on to the Masters, the 2007 Masters, this is remembered as the, you know, you were there, the, the truly terrible weather Masters. Zach Johnson won it. But Tiger held a share of the lead on the front nine on Sunday, but he made a, a few errors coming home. And then ZJ, as they call him, went on to win. Jeez, he was a serious player, Zach Johnson. Like, you'd love his career. A Masters win and an Open at St. Andrews. But So he ends up winning. Do you have any strong memories um, from, from the 2007 Masters when Tiger tied second after holding a share of the lead? Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, it was just her, her, you know her, horrendous weather. Um, and there was a lot of times at that particular tournament where I think a lot of the players, including Tiger, felt that maybe Augusta National should have thought more seriously about playing lift, clean and place. Um, and a lot of cases, someone... I'm, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Zach Johnson here, but sometimes the guys that are the shorter hitters, the guys that don't hit the ball quite as far with quite as much force, their balls don't pick up as much mud as some of the guys that fly the ball high and you know with a lot of spin on it and it comes down and it sort of lands and then it rolls out of its pitch mark with mud on it. Some of the guys that hit it a bit lower with not as much force to it don't get typically don't get as much you know mud and stuff on their balls. That week there, there was a lot of balls with unusual flights because you know they they never ever want to put the cliff clean in place and play there like the Open Championship. Uh, in Britain, they just don't want to have lift clean in place. It's just not part of the game, and, that, and that's probably a week where maybe if they look back, it might have been good to implement that. But um, you know, Tiger at some point in his career, he was going to lead a major, or you know, like be in contention for a major. And at some point, you can't win them all. I mean, he had a you know, remarkable record of leading major championships after fifty-four holes and going on to win. At some point, um, tied or, or or leading by himself that run had to come to an end. It's just a, you know, it's just a simple fact that you can't play well every single Sunday in your contention. And of course, he was in contention more often than anybody else. So it was, you know, it had to happen at some point. Was there any concern after that Masters that, that Tiger had, had stumbled, um, you know, in the clutch when he when he sort of hadn't really done that before or not really? No, I was, it's just, it, it, that's something that's not, you know, if it's going to happen, it's just when. Because, you know, every time, like you, you look at a lot of other players, their major career records, how many times they got in contention and couldn't convert before they actually won one. It's just, you know, it, it had to happen. Like I said, it's not a matter of if, it was just a matter of when. Yeah, well, in his defence, Tiger eagled 13 that day, so he did try. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. Um, so another thing that sort of gave, you know, this narrative that, that maybe Tiger was losing his grip on the world of golf a little bit was was Rory Sabatini, quite a character. South African-born, lives in Florida, He's now a Slovakian citizen who competed for Slovakia in the Olympics. Um, but if we go back to 2007, he was kind of poking the bear, wasn't he? He was he was shiting Tiger a lot, trying to call him out, and unsuccessfully, I might add. But he credit to him for trying. So, what do you what do you remember of Rory and that sort of feud? You know, like what do you make of it? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Rory is you know, a stand up character. He's, he 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 has no hesitation. Uh, and calling anybody out. And, you know, I think the thing that I remember most vividly with him was, was uh, you know, the, when he was um, the slow play incident with um, um, Kevin Nah. Oh, that's so, right, yep. And, and he, he, he hit his second shot onto the green. Kevin, Kevin was still back there, thumbing around. He taught, got his kid to pull the flag out, put it out, went to the next tee and teed off. I mean, that is... <laughs> that, 
that was hilarious. I mean, it wasn't in the true spirit of the game. I get that, but that was hilarious. But um, no, he, look, he, he, Rory just he, he beats to his own drum, and you know, and and I think he was one of those guys who was sort of saying out loud what a lot of other people thought. You know, just you know, you know, Tiger obviously took a, a lot of attention on, on the PJ Tour, and he, and he, you know, most of the media circulating around the PJ Tour always. You know, circulate around him and that, and you know, Rory was adamant that okay, hey, you know, there's 200 other guys here playing, and you know, I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to ask you about this one, Quail Hollow, which Tiger ends up winning. We'll get to that in a second, but I think it was on the Saturday that that Sabatini said, "I want to play with Tiger in the final group," as if to throw down the gauntlet to Tiger. So he he does get in the final group with Tiger. Tiger shoots 69, Sabatini shoots 74, Tiger wins the tournament. And even after that, even after that beating, Sabatini said he struggled out there. He had he had to battle for that win. And I think he made me realize he is as beatable as ever. I mean, this is it's unflappable, this guy. What did you make of those comments at the time? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know what he was basing that on because <laughs> when you're playing in a tournament, you've only got to shoot a score good enough to win. And, okay, some days you might not have your best game in that. And, you know, perhaps then Tiger wasn't, you know, having his A game. But um, I don't think that's the sort of comment you're going to make, you know, when you've just had your ass kicked uh, and you've thrown down the gauntlet. You want to play with Tiger and you play with him and he whips you by five and wins the tournament. I mean, it's not how you win, it's if you win, you know. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, he, he, he's brave to come up with, like, at the completion of the 72nd hole, I, I would have thought you would just said, look, I gave my best today and <laughs> it, didn't ha- it didn't happen. I, I relished the opportunity. I got to play with him. It just didn't happen. But I, I think that was quite surprising what he came up with. Well, what what else was surprising was that Tiger was so mentally tough. He didn't really get drawn into these feuds and these these um, you know verbal matches, but he did get drawn in once that year. And he said, I think it was something along the lines of, "Hey, how many times has Sabatini won in his career?" And and the reporter said, "I think it was three. And Tiger said, "Yeah, well, that's how many times I've won this year." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean the thing is when you when you want to have a feud, a verbal feud with someone like Tiger Woods, he's always going to have the last laugh, unfortunately. Yeah. Cause- Got every record in the book to back it up. So, I mean, <laughs> but uh, you, you, you take your hat off to go like that. He's, he's out there, and, and you need characters like him playing on the tour. And you, and you need, you know, you can't be all stereotyped. I think a lot of the players on the PJ Tour are very stereotyped. And, you know, this is a guy that's a character. He's out there, and he's going to voice, he's got his own voice, and he's going to voice his own voice loudly. So, you know, I take my hat off sometimes to a guy like that. Yep. Um, so, we, get, we, we fast forward to June. And Tiger becomes a father. Uh, just, just your recollections. I, w- I want to know how much, how, how did Tiger change as a golfer when, once he became a father to, to Sam Alexis? Yeah, well, I mean, I think every, not just Tiger. I think everybody, when, when they have a child, it's, it's one of the most special moments in everybody's life. And, and Tiger's no different to anybody else than that. And then, you know, all of a sudden, instead of playing for you and your family, you've got one additional, you know, family member that you're playing for. And, you know, you've got to obviously adjust your t- practice times and everything's a little bit different when there's someone else in the house and, and particularly a child at that, at, at, at that young age. So he, as a father, you know, he's facing things no different than anybody else and handles them the same as everybody else does. Chasing Majors is made possible by our friends over at Bluebet. Bluebet is the true blue Aussie betting company which offers plenty of markets in professional golf. Bet on your favourite golfers on various tours around the world, including every tournament on the US PGA Tour both pre-tournament and in-play bets like first-round leaders and three-ball betting. 
There'll also be plenty of markets for the majors, so head over to bluebet.com.au or download the Bluebet app from the iPhone or Android app stores and gamble responsibly. All right, the US Open. Um, Tiger was sort of seen as letting the US Open at Oakmont that year. He, he was seen as letting that slip away after, again, holding the share of a lead during the final round. Anyel Cabrera went on to win. What are your memories of uh, the 2007 US Open at Oakmont? Well, you know, it's touted as probably the most difficult course, and, and I'd 100% wholeheartedly agree with that. It's a very, very different golf course, and it was a great battle. And, and you know, Ahol Cabrera, you got to take your hat off to the Masters champion, US Open champion. Um, that was a fantastic victory. Tiger, he was trying his absolute hardest. It was, it was impressive, um, and it's just a very, very difficult golf course. And, you know, he probably had his... B plus game that week and not 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 as A A A plus or A minus whatever it be and he you know he was there all the week but it just he wasn't quite there uh, and put up a tremendous fight right right to the very end and um, you know I think the you know that seventeenth hole was pivotal there you know it's a short par four you can drive it on the green there but if you miss it on you know if you if the pin's left and you miss it left you got no shot and the same thing if your pin's right and you miss it right you got no shot in either of those bunkers and. Yeah, um, just couldn't hit the shot there at the particular time on Sunday to give it a run. But he, you know, like hey, you know, he, he he was right there, and it's not like he you know folded under the pressure. Arnold Cabrera just played a little bit better. It was um, it was a great event. Yeah, and so you know, like it's a if you win an Oakmont, I mean that that is a, you know that that is just a tough test of golf when you're in whatever championship is in, with being an amateur championship professional. If you win on that golf course, you can play golf. So, Steve, to wrap up a, ro- a truly roller coaster first half of 2007, Tiger has won at Torrey Pines and Doral and Quail Hollow. He's tied second at the Masters and the US Open after holding a share of the lead. Um, do you feel the criticism of his form was kind of unfair at that point? Because he, he oh, won three times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, no other player won three times in that. But just, you know, that everybody expected when Tiger took the lead or had the lead in a made championship that he was going to, carry on and, and, and take the trophy. But like I said, the more times that you get in contention, it just had to happen. So, um, you know, certainly, you know, he was disappointed. That's two opportunities that went astray that, you know, he could have actually taken taken the two trophies. That So that must have made the, you know, the next two majors coming up, the Open Championship and the PGA, that more important to him. Because, you know, in Tiger's mind, a successful year, regardless of the amount of wins that he would have, would only be... A successful year was only a successful if he had a major championship uh, trophy in his cabinet for that particular year. So it put an emphasis on the next two majors without a doubt. A, lot, you know, a little bit of added extra pressure. So he ties for 12th at the British Open. Again, like you just mentioned, another major without a victory. Did you personally feel some pressure to help Tiger deliver the, the a major win that year in the last major of the year? Well, I just sense that, you know, like, if you if he went away from 2007, given that he had played very very well, very very consistent, uh, and he was working so well with Hank at this time, and I, I think it would have been a long off season had he not collected one. And each additional major, I think once Tiger got to ten, each additional major, each you know when he went ten to eleven, eleven to twelve, twelve to thirteen, and so on, um, they were big big steps, and. Even if you could just take one of those steps each year, it made that goal, you know, look very, very attractive and, and obtainable. So, in two thousand seven, like there was definitely 
some extra pressure on that last major because he'd had a very, very good year. And, and, and in Tiger's terms, it's only a good year if he has a major championship. So there was certainly a lot more pressure um, than what a normal major would be, given the fact that how well he had played in 2007 and the need to capture one more of those major championships. And you know, when you have one from 2007, you go into 2008 with a lot more confidence. That's just the way it is. So, so what you're sort of saying is, once he got to double digits, the anticipation of chasing down Jack's record of 18, that was that was getting stronger. He's maybe getting a bit more excited slash nervous. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, they just, you get to 10 and, and, and you know, all of a sudden, once you get to 10, it just, it, you know, you get 10, then you do 11. It doesn't seem like it's that far away now. You know, you're, mm. when you're at five, six and seven, it just seems an awful long way out. But once you turn to double digits, because Jack's in double digits and you join him in double digits, it seems more realistic they can get there. So everyone you get, it's a monumental step to get towards the number 18. Yeah, correct. So, Steve, the week before the PGA, Tiger wins the, the WGC Bridgestone Invitational, one of his favorite events in Ohio, by eight shots. And he was the only player under par that week. Could you sense that he was sort of fired up and ready for the PGA Championship? Yeah, well, he, he was, like I said, he, he had been playing well uh, in 2007 and very well in patches. But at Akron, he got it all dialed in. Uh, it's a course that he loves, and he got, everything was dialed in there. Um, and he was putting very good, um, and everything was in shape there. The iron play was good. And, of course, you know, you turn your attention to the next week at Southern Hills where there's a lot of dog legs and, that, and, and there's a lot of irons off the tee. As you're well aware, it was extremely hot that week, and the ball was going a long way. So, you know, the driver wasn't have to be in play that often that week. So... Um, but you know, Akron was a you know, certainly a great stepping stone as far as confidence. Like you know, you, you win that tournament by eight shots. It's a, it's a great field, World Golf Championship event, strong field, and then you turn your attention to the PGA. So you're going in there for the last major of the year, one you desperately want to win, and you're in great form and you're putting good. So the recipe was you know right for a good week. Just just quickly on that, that was one of Tiger's pet events. So I, I have to ask you about it. He won the, the Bridgestone Invitational at the Firestone Country Club in Akron, Ohio, eight times. What what was it that, what, what what was it about Tiger that clicked when he got to Akron? Yeah, I mean, he always used to say that some golf courses just suited his eye. You know, you just get a feeling on a golf course that just it just suits your eye, and that was one of them. I mean, it's remarkable to think that one man won that tournament. You know, it's not like it's a regular PJ Tour tournament. This is a World Golf Championship that features 70 of the best players in the world each year, and, and he won it eight times. I mean, you, I and, and it's a tough course. It's a really <laughs> tough course. Yeah, well, that's evident that year. He won it by eight shots, only guy under par. And if, if Akron, when they had a week there where there was no rain um, and the course got firm and fast. It was a very, very difficult golf course and very difficult to keep the ball in the fairway. Fast greens, bouncy, and uh, just a tremendous golf course. One, one of the players loved to play. It's been on the, you know, it's been on the PJ Tour for many, many years. Akron, um, and one, one of the tournaments that the players just loved to play. It's a fantastic venue and it's a, you know, fantastic sort of small town venue. Akron south of cleveland so it's you know it's not a big town as far as like a big city of america but it, it had that it was just it was one of the greatest great events of the tour yeah it was fantastic it's sad that it's not there anymore but that's just the way golf goes but yeah steve we arrive at the the week of the the pga championship 2007 and this is kind of known as the hottest pga in the history of the tournament that Oklahoma weather and the humidity was just sweltering. It was about 102 degrees Fahrenheit during the week uh, on average, and that's that's about you know 39 degrees Celsius. 
Uh, on the weekend, it was actually 110 in the last two rounds, which is about 43 degrees Celsius plus the humidity. And it's just, it just really, it knocks you for six, doesn't it? So there were 264 people treated by paramedics that week for heat-related illnesses. What are your memories of the heat that week? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was, uh, I believe it would have been the hottest major ever played in. Um, and, and, you know, the forecast leading up to it, um, they're very accurate in, in, in their forecasting in that part of America and, and the plains there. And we knew it was going to be very, very hot. So hydration was huge. We played our practice round very, very early in the morning. Tiger saved every bit of energy uh, to start the week Thursday. Did very little practice, uh, you know, on, on the driving range and so forth. Did all his practice on his course, most of his practice on the course during the practice rounds. Um, he played at the crack of dawn. Uh, and so, just saved all his energy, and and, 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 and you know, you you he felt he was in great physical shape right then, and, and, and mentally, he you know, he he felt great about that week because he he felt that he'd beat at least half the field before he teed off, just given the physical shape that he was in and the way he looks after himself. So that was a you know encouraging thing right from the get go. Really, so so he was kind of almost welcoming those conditions, knowing that he was maybe only playing against fifty blokes instead of hundred and fifty something. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you know, you, you're talking extreme conditions here and extreme conditions, you know, in any kind of sport, the fittest guys rise to the top in those sort of conditions. And, you know, he, he, he obviously is one of the first, if not the fittest on the tour, um, and that was right up his alley. So he, he felt like he was at an advantage that week. And, um, you know, that, that's confidence booster, you know, just in your own makeup, the way you go about things that, that um, you know, you're going to have a, a good week. How about yourself? You you got to carry the bag in that heat. Walk the same distance that Tiger's walking, and you got to carry maybe a few extra drink bottles that adds a few pounds to the bag. What? How how did you cope that week? Oh yeah, look, I mean, over the course of of, of my career and that, you've carried in a lot of you know very very hot weeks and that. Yeah, you, know, you just you, if if you just hydrate, you you know, make sure you you, you got to, you got to start right from the time you get up in the morning and hydrate yourself. So I mean, it's not you know it's not rocket science or anything, but um, I mean it. it, it it was it was sort of very fortunate. Southern Hills got a lot of very very you know large tree trees on the course, and it's just it's so welcoming to get in the shade on some of those trees. And like sometimes <laughs> when you hit it in the rough, I think that was kind of nice. Sometimes you got <laughs> on, you got under the some of the trees sometimes just for you know getting to, you know, it, it was it was. Um, yeah, it was very demanding that week. That, I mean, that you know, those last two days, 108, 110, that is, you know, that is some kind of heat to be playing under. Um, but um, did Tiger know, have extra motivation to win to, to prove to to himself that you know I can win in the toughest conditions, almost like a macho thing? Well, I mean, you know, I certainly thought, you know, listening to Tiger as we were playing our practice rounds and that, some of us, some of the things we were chatting about. You know, he prides himself on playing good and bad weather. Prides himself playing in you know all sorts of conditions. But this was just a, this was a condition that's you know it was very still for most of the week and excessively hot. So that's just one more feather. You know, think okay, boys, when the weather gets as hot as this, you know, I'm still the man. <laughs> so <laughs> um, you know, I think you know Tiger loves little things to give him just a little extra bit of motivation and. You know, the 2000 PJ at Tulsa, the heat index and all that, just, you know, I mean, the temperature was 110. I think some days the actual heat index was was another, you know, I think it was approaching 120 a couple of days, the actual heat index. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, he, he 
took that on as just an extra little bit of motivation, and he loves that kind of thing. It's just yeah, to, to say that you won the hottest major ever, it's kind of a feather in the cap, like you mentioned. Absolutely, you know. Chasing Majors is proud to partner with X-Blades, who have been internationally renowned for decades for producing world-class football boots and performance apparel for athletes across rugby union, rugby league, Aussie rules, and netball. The team at X-Blades are passionate about grassroots and community sport, and that's why they're about to bring their credentials to golf with an exciting golf apparel range launching this year. Watch this space and keep listening to Chasing Majors. All right, Steve, Tiger starts the tournament, not not poorly, but he did shoot one over par 71, but that's not too bad because the field average that day was actually 74.29, so he's, he's doing all right there. He's six shots off the pace after shooting that 71, but then he gets seriously, seriously hot for, a lap for you know, excuse the pun there, on Friday. He shoots 63. That could have been a 62 if his putt didn't lip out on the final hole for birdie. What are your memories of those first two days and particularly that, that 63? Yeah, I mean, you know, he... He got off to a good start on Thursday. Uh, he got it under par, but he, and then ended up, you know, one over par, which wasn't a bad score at all because you you knew over four days here the scoring wasn't going to be you know electric there. It's just too hot, uh, conditions are too tough, and the golf course, the rough, was very very thick that week. And you know, there's a lot of dog leg holes. So you're not going to hit a high percentage of the fairways there. And then of course the second round, he was putting good at Akron. He put on a putting clinic and he putted good the first day to shoot 71. Uh, there was a couple of poor shots that, you know, he failed to convert. Oh, no, sorry, a couple of poor shots that ended up led to bogeys. But he putted very well to shoot 71. Uh, and then the second day, the same thing. He putted extraordinarily well. And to have that opportunity up the last hole, I mean, that was, you know, he knew very well what that putt meant on the last hole. You know, you shoot first player to shoot 62. And, of course, you know, he was walking that putt in just as I, I thought, well, he's made it. I mean, it's sort of, and then when you watch it, in slow motion that you know the ball did a full a full circle of the cup and came out but it actually sort of it, it went below the surface and then came back out it was, yeah. if you slow that one down it's like how did that not go in for 62 so it was cruel um, wasn't it cruel it was, but you know that was a remarkable round that you know, i mean on a course like that that's that that is a very good round and it, like he was putting great um you know that, that that really you know that set him up for the weekend obviously yeah, yeah, and, and like you mentioned, you know, he, he was he was putting really well. So we'll get to that in a second because he did put on a bit of a putting clinic on the weekend. But on Saturday, Tiger shoots a, a tidy 69 to climb to seven under par, which extended his lead to three shots after 54 holes. And this is the 13th time in his career that he's held at least a share of the, the, the 54-hole lead in a major. He had won all previous 12. Now, Canadian golfer Stephen Ames had climbed a four-run to, to get into the final group on the Sunday with Tiger. And this is kind of hilarious, isn't it? Because it's only about 18 months after Stephen Ames sensationally called out Tiger at the WGC match play. And to, to refresh our, our listeners' memories there, it was Stephen Ames was, was paired with Tiger and uh, grouped against Tiger in, in, the, in the pool stage of the WGC match play. And he basically said that because Tiger was driving it erratically, that he was more beatable than ever. And Tiger responded the next day by humiliating Stephen Ames 9-8, and eight, which is, of course, winning by nine holes with only eight holes to play. What was it like to have Stephen Ames in the final group with Tiger at Southern Hills? <laughs> Yeah, the, the, it was definitely, there was a frosty feeling when they got on that first tee. There's no two ways about it. And, um, you know, I, 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 I totally respect every player that plays in, in professional championships and gets themselves into contention in a major. But, you know, like I, I think Stephen would have preferred to be playing in the group in front. <laughs> 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 in the yeah. final group because I, 
you know, he, 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 he made out, you know, he made a call and, and, and just made him look so poor making a call like that. And it's, it's one of those things that he would always regret. And, and, and there was just no way that Tiger was ever going to let him beat him. I mean, it was just one of those things. So I think he would have preferred to have been in the group in front or the group in front of that. But um, never, never mind, they, they got paired. It was, um, there wasn't a lot of conversation that week or that particular round. So and Tiger, you know, obviously got the job done. Yeah. It was a little bit awkward, you know, like just, just traversing the fairways a little bit awkward. Oh yeah, there's always a sense of awkwardness. Um, but then you know, on the first tee, there's always a bit of a sense of awkwardness. Um, but then when you get off the first tee, and that there's not a lot of conversations. When it's a major championship, you're playing for one of these, you know, biggest trophies in golf. And that unless you're playing with one of your close buddies, there's never much um, banter between the players in an event like that. So that, that was no exception. Steve Tiger had only hit driver on four holes all week going into the final round. Why was that? Was that a strategy? Yeah, I mean, look, a, a the ball was just going so far, uh, and that course has a lot of dog legs, and there's a lot of trees that get in the way there, and everything. So, um, you know, once again, it got, got a good strategy, particularly like a, you know, I mean, that first hole with elevated tee off that first fairway going down. I mean, he was hitting his two iron off that tee, you know, 260, 280 yards off that tee. I mean, it's massive hit with an iron, but it was just the ball was going so far, so warm there. And he just wanted to take out a lot of the major trouble and, 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 you know, play to the corner of the dog leg instead of forcing it through, you know, like when you're trying to play these holes, if you hit it dead straight, you're through the field and if you hook it too much, just, it, it made sense to play to the to the dog leg and play from there. And, um, you know, obviously it was a game plan that worked very well. And But like the, the week was based around some very, very, very good putting. I mean, he made a, you know, <laughs> so many par putts. Uh, that week was um, unbelievable, but um, you know, like I said, Akron, he, he, you know, he was putting good on Akron, and he went from Akron to there. The greens were pretty much identical, so he just took it straight from Akron to Tulsa. In its fifty-first year of publication, Australian Golf Digest is the oldest golf media brand in Australia, reaching over eight hundred and fifty thousand golfers every month. Australian Golf Digest provides the best written and video news in golf, both locally and internationally. Golf fans can get full access to the magazine through the Digital Pass, which starts from just $3.33 per month and also includes instruction, golf course and golf travel content. Head over to australiangolfdigest.com.au or check them out on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. With Tiger bogeyed the second hole, but he quickly recovered with birdies at number four and number seven. And then he had, he had built himself a five-shot lead through eight holes. And it's kind of looking like he's got the PGA wrapped up pretty early. But that's when things start to fall off a little bit. He immediately bogeys the ninth, just as Woody Austin and South African Ernie Els, one of his great rivals, they began to make a bit of a move. So uh, Woody made his third straight birdie on the 13th hole. And just as that had happened, Tiger three-putted for bogey on 14. And that, that reduced Tiger's lead to one. So I'm sure that he was maybe getting a bit angsty right there. Tiger said he did some serious yelling at himself, walking from the 14th green to the 15th tee. Can you remember that? What was that yelling about? And also, what did you say to him? <laughs> well, I didn't need to say anything to him because I heard it all. <laughs> <laughs> and what did he say? Well, I mean, it's just a case of, you know, when you, 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 he, he, he hates the three-putt. I mean, it's just one of his pet hates. And, that, and, and you're playing in a major championship and, and it's just three-putt. It wasn't, you know, it's not like it was an impossible putt or anything. Um, and, and he just you know, he just gave himself a serious pep talk, and I didn't need to say anything because you know I could hear him grumbling under his under his um, 
had to sort of hand over his face, mumbling away to himself and that. But um, yeah, look, you know, when you're playing for a major championship and that, you, you just reset because you know every single shot is so important. So you just get to the next tee, explain what the shot is, where the flag is, what the wind's doing, and so forth, and clear your head and hit a good shot and, and regroup. Because that, you know that's one of Tiger's great attributes as a professional golfer is he can get as frustrated as any player I've ever seen. But then when he steps into the next shot or the next hole, he completely erases that and gets right in the moment. I mean, he plays in the moment more than anyone you'll ever see. So even when he gets down and out and he hits a bad shot or whatever, gets a bad break, whatever might happen, he can put that behind him so quickly. And it's one of the things that makes him such a great player and, and to play in the moment. And that was a great case with there. You know, poor three putt looks like he's given the, you know, the, open the doors right up to a couple of guys. You know, Woody Austin, um, whilst he was a, you know, you'd say somewhat of a journeyman. He was in great form that year. Uh, Ernie Els needs no introduction. That, but and you know, Tigers he steps up, you know, to the challenge. And and, and like that's, he, you know, he loves to win tournaments by eight or ten shots because he, you know, he loves to absolutely beat the competition. But then he thrives on those ones where he gets really, really tight too. So it was, you know, it's fantastic ending to that tournament. Have you ever seen a player, particularly among the players that you've caddied for, that was able to get over frustration so quickly? Because it's, no. it's, it's it's unhuman almost. Yeah, no, best at it, absolutely. It's a, it, it, there's many parts of Tiger's game, his way he goes about things that are underrated, but he, his the way he gets the, you know past those moments is un, is unbelievable. Well, it worked because he birdied the very next hole, and then he made three straight pars to win. And but just before we get to him winning, Woody Woody Austin and Ernie Els they gave Tiger a serious run for his money, didn't they? Woody shot 67 to finish outright second at six under, and Ernie shot 66 to be a shot back of Woody. In your words, what was uh, key for Tiger holding on that that week and that day? Well, I mean, his putting was just exemplary that week, and, and Sunday was no different. And look, those two rounds of those guys to you know, shot Sunday at a major championship were good enough to win the tournament. You know, they were fantastic rounds. I mean, any score under seventy around that course of that week was fantastic scoring, and they shot. You know, they, they were two superb rounds in contention, and you know, both of those guys deserved a shot at it. I mean, it, you know, very well could have been a playoff. Um, you know, you know, Tiger made that pivotal birdie on you know on fifteen. 15. Yeah, absolutely pivotal, and, and you know, played exemplary coming into when he walked up the last hole after his second shot. He knew that it was all in the bag. So, um, yeah, pretty amazing. In its fifty-first year of publication, Australian Golf Digest is the oldest golf media brand in Australia, reaching over eight hundred and fifty thousand golfers every month. Australian Golf Digest provides the best written and video news in golf, both locally and internationally. Golf fans can get full access to the magazine through the Digital Pass, which starts from just $3.33 per month and also includes instruction, golf course and golf travel content. Head over to australiangolfdigest.com.au or check them out on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Steve, Tiger shoots 69 and with an 8 under par total, he beats Woody Austin by two shots. Tiger captures his 13th major and 4th PGA Championship title. He kind of looked like he almost cried um, straight after that. Was that because maybe he had just become, this is the first major that he's won as a father and maybe the emotions got the better of him? Or or do you remember why he kind of looked like he cried? Yeah, no, I think think just the the satisfaction of knowing that you did it for someone else, even though his child was, you know, wouldn't recognise what he's doing and have any comprehension what's going on, obviously, only a few months old, but... Just the single fact that you come off the 18th green, normally you come off there and it's just, you know, maybe his wife and maybe his coach, maybe his manager. 
uh, you know, very small, but then all of a sudden, you've, you know, there's an extra person there that, that carries a whole new world to you. So, you know, that was very emotional for him. And also the fact that, you know, like I alluded to, you know, he desperately wanted to win this tournament, 2007 PJ, because, you know, then if you go into 2008 and you haven't won one in 2007, then they start saying, oh, Tiger's gone this many majors, this many majors, this many without winning one. Mm. And that just shuts all that off. Yep. 2000 is going to start fresh as a new year. And, you know, he's climbed one more step up that ladder. So, you know, he, he would have felt very, very good about himself after that tournament. And, and he played, and, and, and he kept that form, as you mentioned, that form he continued right on uh, after the PJ Championship. And he was just unbeatable for the rest of the year. So, yeah, you know, he was right, his right here in 2006 and seven. you know, the work with Hank was just coming together so beautifully. And he was, you know, everything, including the putting, was phenomenal. Do you remember what Hank got him to work on with the putting specifically? Because he putted so amazingly in 2007. Was there anything that clicked on the greens? Yeah, look, he, he, he was just so adamant on keeping his head dead still. And if you watch a lot of those highlights from tournaments uh, around that time, that I mean, he was just, everything was just so still. It was just the shoulders back and forth. And the whole, the body, everything was still. It was, it was you know, it was almost like a robot-like stroke. It was so good. And, and he built so much, comp- you know, re- it was so repetitive that he just got so comfortable. And, and, and like, I mean, when he, it's, it's, that week was just a remarkable performance on the greens. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but just for the for the listeners who might not know the changes that, that Hank Haney implemented with Tiger once he took over from Butch Harmon, I believe that he got Tiger more laid off at the top of the backswing, so the club pointing a little bit more left as opposed to pointing down to the target. He got Tiger Tiger's hands in more a bit more in front of him going on the downswing, so he was less prone to hitting prone to hitting that snap hook, which he absolutely you know hated the snap hook. So he was able to hit the fade, the controlled fade a little bit more. Um, a, am I correct in, in those things? And B, was did that make your job easier because he was a bit more consistent, a bit more down the fairway and on the property as opposed to being super raw, powerful, but all over the shop? Yeah, well, I mean, you, you know, you always fancy that if you eliminate one side of the golf course, you know, take that hook out of play, just completely eliminate that hook out of play. Well, then you eliminate the left side of the golf course. So you're, you know, you're only dealing with, one side of the golf course. It makes it a lot easier. If you've got a two-way miss going, which he was prone to doing, going left and right, it makes it very difficult. You know, when you when you get to a situation where you're not driving it good and you stand up and you don't know if it's going left or right, uh, which he'd had many days where that was the case. And, you know, that's where he frequently went to that stinger shot uh, with the three-wood just to get it in play. Um, but, when, you know, when he got a little bit more laid off on the top and, that, and pretty much eliminated that left shot, you know, that made it very comfortable for him to stand, you know, stand up on the tee, aim down that left side and, and, and just give it everything he got, knowing that it wasn't going to go left. So as the time with Hank went on further and further, the, the more trust in that, eliminating that side of the golf course and aiming down that left side, just letting it rip, uh, became more and more evident. And, you know, his, his power was just immense. He played so beautifully in, in 2007. And, and the, the talk amongst Team Tiger, including yourself, it must have ramped up a little bit about chasing down Jack Nicklaus's 18 major championships because at this point, um, Jack hadn't won his 13th major until his 53rd major, if that makes sense. So he was, he was 13 against 53. Tiger captured his 13th major in his 44th major start. So he's kind of nine ahead of... Uh, ahead of uh, Jack here, did that? Did that give some excitement to the group and ramp up that discussion? Yeah, well, like I said, Evan, every, every time that he won one, you know, the, the, the big steps, like from 
you know, you, you start off at one and two, you, you know, there's no thought about chasing Jack's record. But one, I, I certainly believe in our own minds that once you got to 10 and those, those are, you know, those steps were big steps. And each step was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The competition was getting better. And when you got each one of those, you know, when you could climb one more step, it just seemed that that was, you know, like it's like so much closer to that target, even though it, was, it didn't seem a long, you know, a big, distance away it just it appeared that you know by winning one more you're just so closer to it so that was a big I thought, you know, that was a it was just another championship as far as like, I guess my people would see it was just Tiger's 13th major championship and you know and 44 starts as a professional <laughs> that's just you know I mean that's remarkable um but that was a big one and and, and you know of course we as we talk now we know that you know we didn't know what was going to be in the future but had Tiger had got to 19, 18 or whatever it may have been, um, that one would have been pivotal in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And the best, the most impressive thing about Tiger is he doesn't take the foot off the pedal. Uh, uh, you know, even though he's got the satisfaction of winning at least one of those majors in the major season, he goes on to win the BMW Championship and the Tour Championship. Um, like, did that always amaze you that he didn't take the foot off the gas after the major season? Oh, he, like, you know, Tiger wanted to own every record there was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, you know, like when you look back now, you know, they say players, you know, they've had an unbelievable year if they've won three taunts on the PGA Tour. And, they, you know, you know, in Tiger's day there, you know, he was frequently winning five, six, seven, eight, nine tournaments on the PGA Tour every year. It just shows you, you know, how, how incredible his desire to win was. And, you know, like when you win a PGA Championship or, you know, the last major of the year, you know, following a win at the Bridgestone, you, you know, you think that would have wrapped up his year there, but I mean, he, he just kept going. It was just incredible. You know, but when you, you know, as, as I mentioned way back at the start of the show, Tiger's thought of not renting a swing, but owning a swing, that was becoming a reality to him about this time and that, that you know, perhaps I can play every day as well as I expect to play every day. And it was, it was becoming a bit of a real, reality here, um, particularly towards the end of 2007. I mean, he was swinging as good as it could get, and he was putting as good as it gets. And, you know, the good play, when you start playing with great confidence, the putting comes along so naturally because there's no pressure. You know you're playing well. You know if you miss this one, you'll have another one on the next hole. You just, you know, you, you know the opportunities are going to be there time and time and time again. So the great play makes the putting get good too. So, yeah, it was fantastic time, 2007. Well, it's funny you mention that because he had 17 starts, official starts, seven victories, three runner-ups, and one third place. So that, that's another phenomenal year after 2006, which was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think, you know, you know, 50% of the tournaments in the top three. I mean, that's just remarkable. <laughs> it's just, you know, so... You know, like I said, it was a big win, and you're heading into 2008. You know, once again, you know, you start in the year thinking, you know, can I win the four again? You know, that's what you know. How many can I get this year, and get how much closer to that goal can we get? And finally, Steve, 2007 Presidents Cup. I want to ask you about that. Um, Presidents Cup in Montreal, Canada, great city. The Americans spanked the internationals, but Tiger actually lost his Sunday singles match, which I, I imagine would have stung. He lost it to Mike Weir, who, who was, of course, Canadian. And Tiger always liked to call out that local hero. Whenever the President's Cup went overseas, he loved to play the home favourite, whether it was Australia, South Africa, Ernie Els, you know, Greg Norman in, in Melbourne, for example. But he loses to Mike Weir. And what happened that day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic match. And, you know, 
Tiger and Mike were very tight. They're, they're great buddies. And, you know, you're playing Canada, Canadian sports fan, absolutely. They're just like, you know, transplanted from Chicago. They're all massive sports fans yeah. up there in Canada. Great massive people. drinkers too. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're absolutely fantastic people. And, and Mike Weir, you know, he's a Masters champion. He's a fantastic player. And he's playing against Tiger Woods, in, in, you know, in his country. I mean, that just energized him to the best. It was a great match. Hmm. And, um, you know, Mike was just energized by it. He was up for it. You know, I mean, he knew that the, the result of that match wasn't going to sway the overall result, team result, because the American team was far too strong that week. But, you know, his, his week was going to go down in history. He beat Tiger Woods. You know, what the next day in the newspapers, it wasn't about who won the thing. It's Mike, we are our Canadian boy, <laughs> Tiger. It was awesome. You know, you know that's, yeah, it was a great story. He was probably on the front page of the Globe and Mail, the, the Canadian newspaper. You know? He was on. Uh, trust me, he he was the talk of the town. I mean, it was it was great. I mean, that, that sort of thing's great. It was you know, and it's great for that event because that you know that event somewhat struggled with the Americans being so dominant in it. Yeah. Well, Steve, that that wraps up episode twelve, and, and our next episode is actually the last one of this series. So I'll see you next week, and uh, and I think it's about the two thousand eight U.S. Open, and Tiger did something pretty special there. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. Chasing Majors is proudly brought to you by Bluebet, a true blue Aussie betting company.